Welcome to the Financial Heartbeat Podcast with Mike Klauke. In this podcast, we talk about overcoming the challenges families and business owners face in their financial lives. We discuss big and small life events, the implications, and how to plan ahead and control what you can. Let us help you redefine the retirement that's in front of you into a better one. Now, on to today's episode. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Mike Klauke, and I am doing my third podcast. This is crazy. And this time, I went for the big kahuna. Jerry Bohr from Big Bohr Barbecue and more <laughs> is with me. And one of the things I wanted to talk a little bit about, you say, well, geez, what does Jerry do with financial planning? Well, if you ever need any good tips, just come and find Jerry early in the morning, and he is more than happy to give you all of the wisdom you ever wanted to know about stocks, bonds, and all that stuff. Right, Jerry? Yeah, I know a lot about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but one of the things that I find is a fascinating part of my job is I get to meet a ton of folks like Jerry. I get to hear their stories. I get to find out what makes them tick and be a part of their organization, e- even though just doing their retirement and their financial financial stuff. But I think it's great for you, the audience, to get to hear someone like Jerry talk about his story, talk about where he was, how he got to where he is today, how Donna puts up with him. That's still a part of this I'm still trying to figure out. Donna is his wife. Jerry's not commenting. He's just reading the list going, oh, that wasn't on the list, Mike. You're not supposed to say anything about that. That wasn't here anywhere. But that's really what we're trying to do. So it's going to be a fun conversation for about the next 25, 30 minutes. And we're going to talk a little bit about business and how barbecue works and how Jerry got to West Salem because it's an interesting story. But the question I start with everybody, because I just think it's a neat question, is what was your first job, Jerry? Well, my first job was a work release job. I got out of high school early to go be a greenskeeper. So I watered golf course and mowed lawn. Wow. And that was fun. Yeah. It paid a buck 65 an hour. You know, so I was, I was <laughs> in Fat City. Right. And, and remember back then, how much did gas cost a gallon? Probably about a nickel. No, or, well, come on now. Come on now. No, it was 30 cents. Okay. So a buck <laughs> 65 was how you started. And, you know, the good thing with that, though, is, I mean, you probably worked every day, worked a lot of hours. Because where did you live? I lived just north of Breckenridge, Minnesota, which is right on the North Dakota, South Dakota border. Okay. North Dakota, Minnesota border, just north of South Dakota. Okay. And then you did that while you were in high school? Yeah, I did that only for about three months. Okay. And then I heard a neighboring farmer was paying three fifty an hour. Okay. And I went and caught him one morning when he was out in the field and he said, Yep. And I said, Okay. I said, When? He said, Monday. I was done at the golf course. Well, that's awesome. So you pretty much have worked your entire life then after that doing something. Yeah, yeah. That unemployment hasn't been part of my thing. <laughs> and then you did go to college for a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. My problem was I took up beer drinking instead of marketing and uh, all that good stuff. So uh, College was uh, fun. I, it was fun. I wish I could do it over. I'd do it a little better. Yeah, But, but interestingly enough, I mean, it, your advice today to someone listening is get some sort of an education. Isn't Absolutely. It? Anytime I get a chance to talk to uh, high school kids, which I do on a fairly regular basis, it's... Uh, Learn not to be afraid of crowds. Public speaking is huge. Being able to get along with people is great. You know, English, which you absolutely hate, I still need a computer because I can't write a business letter without one. Right. And then even like in the food service industry now, 
people are constantly going even to TC to get classes so that you're certified, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Every, you know, every line of work I've been in, there's been some extra training. So uh, having an education certainly would always make that easier. Uh, so yeah, uh, not everybody needs to go to college. There's a lot of other options, but, uh, if, if you, uh, unless you just don't have the ability, some technical school, some college of some sort, absolutely. But you did have a lot of fun. I did. <laughs> so then, you know, tell us a little bit, how did you end up in West Salem? Well, that's a little convoluted. I worked for a woodworking company in Wapton, North Dakota. I left them to go to work for a cabinet company in Fergus Falls, Minnesota. Was there about a year, and the, the, the North Dakota company called and said, we're buying a place in Wisconsin. I'd like to hire you back and have you run a plant we've got out there. And he said, I know you like uh, you know, fishing and wildlife and all that, and uh, if you want that or you're interested, he said, I'll, I'll fly you out there to take a look at it. So we flew out in a small plane over the Mississippi and all the backwaters and all that good stuff. And I decided I wanted the job before I got there. <laughs> and uh, that was uh, December 15th, 1983. Okay, so that's when you came to West Salem. Well, and was it West Salem proper then? No, it was Rockland, a little tiny town between West Salem and Sparta. Right, right. And it was Rockland. And what did you guys do there? To start out with, we made... Uh, molding blanks for making architectural millwork. The company in North Dakota made the millwork. Uh, we took rough lumber and got rid of all the junk and just shipped them good pieces to make millwork out of. And they did that for about two years. They shifted gears and asked what we could do to keep the plant going. We made uh, kitchen cabinet parts for about another year and a half. Uh, not very successful at that. The plant really wasn't set up to do it. And uh, boss came in on a Thursday night. What should we do? Eh, you're probably better off to close this down. You could run the kilns, break even, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, well, do they need you to do that? No. He says, well, you can be in charge of the equipment in Wapton. If you want that job, I'll give you a job. I'll give your wife a job. We'll move you back. And uh, I need you there Tuesday, though, because we're going to go to Canada to look at some machinery. Can I think about this overnight? You know, and uh, so we did that. And uh, the next morning I came in and he was already gone. He flew out Thursday night and there was a general manager over me. I said to him, I said, why don't you just lay me off and I'll do my own thing? And uh, that Friday, Rockland Woodcraft was born. Wow. And that's, you know, folks, what's interesting about this is this is how so many entrepreneurs get started. I mean, you'd probably been, had you been thinking about going out on your own or doing anything up to that point? I might have thought about it. I guess I really did. I wanted to. I don't know if I'd have had the guts to quit what I considered a pretty good job to do that. I don't know if I'd have had the nerve to do that. But I was faced with uh, making a decision. And, uh, I had just gotten remarried. My wife was from this area, and we just bought a house. I didn't really want to move back to North Dakota. So, uh, well, let's try it on our own. And, and that's what we did. We just, my business opened out of my garage. Right. And, and you just made it work with what you had. I had Sears Hobby Tools. <laughs> that was it. 
and why did you get into that? Just because you enjoyed the woodworking, you enjoyed the parts, or how did you pick that? Yeah, I started woodworking as a hobby back in North Dakota when I worked for a wood plant, and I had access to uh, lumber, reasonable, and uh, I picked up enough woodworking skills there to, to get by. And uh, I had a dream of being a artist. I wanted to make antique reproduction furniture. Right. That was what you really were thinking you were going to do. That's what I wanted to do. So one of the first quotes I got to do was for a roll-top desk, and I was going to make it nice. You know, I, I priced it at $3,500, and the customer said, well, man, I can buy one from the Amish for 500 bucks. You probably should go buy that. And that's when we started looking at cabinetry instead of <laughs> buying furniture. And uh, not that there was anything not fine about the cabinets, but uh, more of a market for it. Okay. And how long did you stay in your garage? We were in the garage for just over a year. Then we bought another shop across town. That shop uh, was a lot more space. We had to do some remodeling in it. We did that. We built a showroom on it. But in the end of the day, we wanted a showroom a little more visible. So we had still some work going on in our garage. We were in the new shop with a showroom. We had a storage building across town. It's a town of 400. Right. And a showroom in beautiful downtown Bangor, which is about 1,000. Right. And uh, so if, if we kept somebody there manning that that didn't know enough about cabinets, and if a customer walked in that wanted cabinets, they'd call me. I'd blow my dust off and run to Bangor and show cabinets. And so probably the real big step for your career was when you moved to West Salem. Yeah, lacrosse was our market, lacrosse on Alaska area. That, that's really where we were selling to. And uh, going to West Salem, we got all under one roof. And uh, that just efficiency just tripled, you know. Well, and how many more eyeballs saw your business there than from the other two places, too? Oh, that, absolutely. It was huge. Uh, the street we're on is a busy street. And uh, we had uh, a couple of really good uh, businesses in the same town just past us. One of them sold really great ham and had a great meat department, and the other one had good baked goods. <laughs> so people from La Crosse coming out to see them would see us, yeah. and, and it worked. Yeah, and so really, was that all that was there was Linda's, and um, I don't even know the meat place isn't there now, is it? It's gone. It was Lakeview Foods. It's it's now a, a, a wholesale fruit place. For Jalvet. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So that was it. That was all that was there. Was the co-op there, too? Oh, yeah. There was, there was other stuff there, but... Them were the two things that really brought people out of lacrosse. That right. they were the two things that out of towners would travel for. Well, and the other thing which I found in my business is people from lacrosse would come to West Salem and think it was a neighbor. Rockland is what eight miles farther down the road, and that would be considered almost a foreign country to someone from lacrosse. Yeah, besides that, Rockland's the only village in the entire state of Wisconsin that does not have an interstate access, even though the interstate practically runs through it. Right. So, I mean, all of that just made it a tough spot to have a business. Yeah. Yeah. West Salem was a very good choice for us. The place we built on was a cornfield and uh, we developed it. And uh, it started with one shop. We just about doubled the size of that. A few years later, we built another shop just as big next door. 
And two or three years after that, we added on to both of them. <laughs> so now there's uh, 20,000 square foot under roof there. And then one day you woke up and said, my kids should do this. Yeah. You know, uh, I loved the cabinet business when I was selling, designing, installing, and uh, dealing with the customers. And uh, in the end, I had other people selling, other people installing, other people designing. I sat at a desk and solved problems, and that wasn't as much fun for me. Remember, I didn't like school. <laughs> <laughs> right. You're Jerry, and he'll probably never say this, is just a natural salesman. And you love promoting. You love being out talking to folks. You love being with the customers. If you go into his restaurant in West Salem, there's no other joy you get than sitting and talking to your customers in your restaurant. Absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, just, that's a lot of fun for you, yep. and that's great. But so that was the big reason that you decided to transition out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was just ready for something different. I had been uh, cooking pork my whole life. That's something that. Uh, well, I was going to say then, how do you go from making cabinets to running Big Boar? <laughs> well, when we sold the cabinet shop to our kids, we uh, weren't ready to retire. I like cooking pork. There's no one around here doing it. Let's. Uh, Let's buy a cook shack and, and uh, you know, we can run it some in the summer and maybe take it south in the winter. And, you know, we can run it when we want or when we don't, you know. And Donna's here laughing because that was the vision of the small Jerry and Donna show. That was that was the vision. Yeah. And how long did that vision last? Yeah, about a week. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the first things I know you talked about is you went there was some a flood. Right. And you took a whole bunch of food to the flood even before you had a shack, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, that was a real fun deal. Uh, my wife's hometown in Minnesota, uh, had a real bad flood and, uh, a friend of mine and I went over there and, uh, cooked food and fed pork all day long. And, uh, at midnight when we were both dog tired, he, he said, you know, you talked me into a lot of stuff before, but this is the best thing. And, <laughs> and it, it really was. I mean, it's fun feeding people anytime but right. uh, uh when they're stressed and really needing a meal it, it's just there's no feeling like it right so you decided all right you transitioned to your kids you were able to do that which is great they're still running the business it's still super successful yep then you're like all right we've got the cook shacks you were doing that yep and then when did you decide it's time to build a restaurant well it, it was a little slower than that the cook shack needed a base so we had to have a building for supplies and a place to dump the trailers and get fresh water and all that. We put a kitchen in there as well. So we started catering out of that kitchen. And uh, that lasted for a couple of years. And it's like, well, we own the lot where the cook shack sits. Uh, we should put a restaurant there. Then we can sell in the wintertime. So, <laughs> Donna's just shaking her head. <laughs> in, in, in 2010, we started with a cook shack. In 14, we built a restaurant. I believe in 15, we built a new catering building and, and storage facility right behind the restaurant. And about the same time, bought another cook shack. And uh, no, the, the second cook shack was probably in 13. It just kind of went crazy from there. The, the Each one feeds the other. Right. You know, the cook shack made starting a restaurant much easier. Right. Because the name was already there. People were familiar with the food. So it wasn't like starting up from scratch. Right. 
the catering, same thing. And even today, when we're out with the cook shack, we're promoting the restaurant, we're promoting our catering. Likewise, when we're catering, we're promoting the restaurant and the cook shack. It, it just, they all feed each other and it works great. But a lot of work. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of work. So one of the things I've met Jerry up in his restaurant, I've worked with Jerry for the last couple of years. One of the things that's impressed me, and, and I think you learned, was it's a lot easier just to have one location than to have two, right? That would be something that you would say to someone if you're going to go into business, be, you know, really think about a second location and all the different things it brings. Yeah, we did go a little crazy. We rented a space in downtown La Crosse, and I thought this is going to be just great. There were things we didn't understand about downtown, like the fact that there was 50 other eateries within three blocks. Parking. Parking is an issue. If, if you're down there right now, we just have had a foot of snow. Like parking is a huge issue today, but I mean, parking's an issue. Yeah. So uh, the three things in real estate, location, 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 uh, applies to a restaurant as well. In hindsight, uh, our West Salem location probably isn't the best. But it's home and no regrets. We love that location. We, we love doing business there. But from purely a financial standpoint, you got to be where all the hustle and the bustle is and lots of parking and, and easy access and high visibility. Yeah, we, we've done a lot of learning. We since closed our lacrosse restaurant. We have another lot in lacrosse that one of our cook shacks sits on. Uh, that does okay, mm -hmm. but uh, we have to haul food to it every day. Sure. The truth of the matter is the restaurant and the catering being together is probably our end goal. Right. And and for us anyway, we'll stay with that. Uh, I'd like to see it something franchisable, but I'd like someone else to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're out there and you want to talk about that, Jerry would. Yeah, um, yeah. But, and what's unique about their food? And, 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 and we're going to talk a little bit about all the charity stuff that Jerry does, but I'll just tell you an event that we've done. He's helped us uh, the last couple of years with the Midwest Players Classic, which is a, uh, a fun basketball tournament here in lacrosse. But it's unique because we start at about nine in the morning and go till about nine at night. And we bring pizzas in for the teams and we do all of that. But Jerry drops the barbecue off at about 11. And I can tell you, Johnny and I, Jonathan, my son and I, we cleaned up because Jerry and Donna had an event to go to. And, you know, as I was walking in, one of the radio guys that I know real well was there. He looked me straight in the face. He says, yeah, I ate some at noon and I ate some at eight. And it's still just as good. <laughs> and, and I think that's really what makes your especially pulled pork such a great catered event, especially for events like that, because it can stay good all day. Now, granted, you changed it. We had some to add to it, but still it lasts a lot longer than like a pizza. Yeah. It's a lot more stable product than some of the things you could do. Uh, yeah, certainly better than pizza. And it's, uh, it, it keeps well, we can cool it and rewarm it. It's still good. It's an easy product to work with. There's a lot of labor preparing it, but right. it's a very durable product that'll hold its taste very well. Well, and here's a little secret. If you want to see how Jerry actually does, how he plays with his meat, 
or his butt. <laughs> um, all you need to do is if Jerry's there, I, you, you take people to the back and show them your process all the time, don't you? Yeah. If somebody wants to see how it's done, I have no qualms about that. I'll, I'll show them through. They can walk right through my kitchen into the smokehouse. And guess what? You're probably even going to get a taste. That's real possible. <laughs> Which having someone who's had multiple tastes, I, I always like when Jerry's not in the front because then I go to the back, and that normally means that I'm not going to leave hungry. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, but it's a lot of fun. And catering really has been a great thing for you, and you've evolved because now you're doing tons of drop-offs, you know, but yet you can still cater three, 400 people for Prime Rep. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're... Prime rib is something we did on a real limited basis for the last three years. It's gotten a lot easier for us, and I think we'll do a lot more of it this year. So that's a little bit of a stretch from barbecue, although we do give it a little smoke. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the, the catering has just uh, really evolved. We do anything from uh, a group of 10 or 12 people want to pick up food. I don't know if you really call that catering to, you know, 20, 30 people want us to feed it, set it up for them. Uh, that's a small cater. We've done fundraisers for your school, Aquinas, yeah. uh, 1200 meals in a day. Right. And I know you had a real successful one with Luther. I know you've had real successful ones with Holman, with oh, yeah. Alaska. Yeah. I mean, pretty much there isn't a school that you don't work with. And that's sort of the interesting thing I was going to, because you've helped a ton of organizations raise a lot of money. Right. Um, because you give them a pretty good deal and yep. then they're able to put the money right over the top, which is very cool from an organizational standpoint, because you don't have to do the work. I mean, you do. You have to show up. You have to set it up. But you didn't have to do the prep. You bring the plates. You bring everything. So it makes it very easy. Yeah, it, it makes a real easy fundraiser. And uh, for not the pulled pork, as opposed to, say, a chicken queue. We don't have to plan as close as they do for something like that because we're using the same product in our restaurant and our cook shacks right. all the time. So uh, if we don't, if we need more, we'll warm more up. If well, we if we don't, we we don't, and we so we just charge people for what we use rather than what they told us they might think they could sell. And the other thing, just to let you know too, if you do ever get a cater from them, you'll never run out of food. We don't, um, we don't do that. Right. Jerry does not do that. I've used them a couple of times for my business. And let's just put it this way. Jonathan got to take some back home to college that he was very excited about. You do, though, also as a restaurant, give a ton back to the community. I mean, I'm talking about Midwest players. I mean, do you have any idea how much free food you give away in a year? It's got, I mean, someday you should really add that up because it's got to be a lot of pigs. Oh, if I added it up, I'd probably start tightening up. And I don't think that's a good thing to do. It's uh, your, your community is what feeds you. Uh, you can't give the world away, but you have to be active in the community. It's important. Oh, I people appreciate it. And uh, it really doesn't cost you money to do it. Right. Well, and we actually, you and I and Donna went down last year after the flood and went to Coon Valley. And that was really a fun experience where, yeah. you know, we spent the day basically handing out food and that was really cool. Yeah. When people are, they're down and out, their kitchen's gone. They're, they're covered in flood mud trying to clean up. Yeah. If you can put a hot meal in their belly, 
Uh, they're pretty thrilled. And when the firefighters all came just covered in mud, <laughs> um, you know, they were very, very happy. And then the offshoot of it is, as you do, and this is not why you do it. I learned very early, Jerry, that if you're going to donate or give time or do something like that, you need to do it because it's from the heart, not because it's going to make money somewhere else. That was never your intention. Absolutely. But the offshoot of it is you do end up because people say, I mean, that does affect how people buy. Yeah. If, if you're religious at all, you're told that that works. <laughs> you know, you're not doing it for that reason. But uh, yeah, it, it doesn't in the end cost you money. Right. And I think that's just absolutely huge. And, and if you're starting a business, one of the things I tell everyone, all of my clients that do that is you have to have a plan how you can interact in the community and just give back to the community. And if we can teach young people, you know, I, I give Scogans, Dave and Barb Scogan, so much credit at festival because they just preach to their young people. You need to give back. And Dave, and I know you know Dave too, yep. has said forever we need to teach these young people to be charitable. I mean, it's sad that we have to say that, but we do. And, you know, but I think it's so important that we teach kids that you even just time, it doesn't have to be money. It doesn't have to just, just go donate blood or do something. I mean, you don't disagree with that at all. I'm oh, sure. Abs absolutely not. And there, there's so many people, you mentioned just a few of them that do a much better job of that than I do. Oh, me too. Uh, but, uh, I shouldn't say I, my wife is always involved when we're doing those things, but, uh, you need to be involved to some extent and, and, you know, your pocketbook will limit a little bit how much you can do, but, uh, you know, if your pockets are deeper, it probably means you can afford to do more and, uh, you'll get it back. Right. Oh no, a hundred percent. Well, we're getting near the end. Give me one sage sound advice if someone was sitting to you and saying i'm going to start x business it really doesn't matter what would that bit of advice be treat people the way you want to be treated okay period uh, that's great advice now let's talk a little business it's really important business to have a good financial team isn't it i mean you need to have an accountant absolutely you need to have I, I think having a financial advisor doesn't hurt um <laughs> That's oh, me. we're plugging you now, are we? <laughs> well, and, 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 and along the way, you've had good bankers and you've had, uh, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, but I really believe you need that accountant. You need the financial person. I'm more of the holistic person. I look at it from a bigger picture. The accountant looks at more of the numbers. And the banker is the one that you hope is the one that says, are you sure you want to do this? Yeah, you know, I as I said before, my education probably lacks. I don't, uh, profess to be a great numbers guy, although I, I get along pretty well with, with numbers, but I don't take the time because it's not what I enjoy to understand all the laws, financial tactics, retirement plans, all the things that go with it. So absolutely to have a good banker for sure financial advisor, CPA, they're all very important. And uh, you should probably get hooked up with them before you actually start. Well, because in a lot of cases, you know, we've seen things before. I've done this 35 years. I've watched a ton of different businesses. Plus, I run a business. I think that's one of the unique things that I have is 
I have an office. I do payroll. I, you know, I'm still, I, I mean, and you're dealing directly with the principal here. Now, granted, you've dealt with Eve and you've dealt with Julie. They're great. But I think that's really an advantage of having that financial advisor if you're a small business person that's also truly a small business person because we look at the – a lot of the times we look at the world while you're in restaurant, I'm in money, but we're still looking at the same problems and the same headaches. It's just at a different scale. Yeah, I don't think you can choose uh, those kinds of people because they're your friends. Right. But I choose, I choose people that are local. And small enough so I get to know them. Right. And in the end, we do become friends. Right. Oh, yeah. Jerry, it came out. And uh, if Jonathan was here, we'd put the picture up on the screen of, <laughs> of Jonathan was the first non-buyer to drive the big bore truck, right? Yes, he was. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and to this day, we still smile about it because Jonathan, the look on his face was just pure panic. Uh, he was graduating from high school. So Jerry had come over and, and, and that's, I should plug that for your high school graduation parties. How much pork did you do last year? Do you know? Uh, somewhere between 3000 and, and, and pounds and two tons. Just for graduation. Just for graduation. Yeah, it's sort of fun. You were, We were sitting there watching people. It was a line out the door of people just picking up barbecue. Yeah. And and it was funny because my son graduated last year, full disclosure. And uh, the big thing was, all right, so where's the food from? And there were only a couple choices that were like. There was obviously the big boar, and then there was one of the Mexican places that everybody liked. Those were the two biggies. Um, so, you know, and, and again, the other nice thing, folks, is they're very affordable. Your phone number, Jerry, if somebody wants to get a hold of you? 608-612-0387. That prefix screws you up a bit. 612 is an area code, but it's 608 area code, 612-0387. And we'll hopefully be able to get your website up too. And if you really have any questions, call and ask for Donna, because Donna will be <laughs> the one that will really be able to answer them or Phyllis. Jerry, he's just sort of around. He's just grabbing beat and butts and playing with all kinds of stuff in the back. So, um, But it's a lot of fun. I always like to end with this question. Tell me one crazy thing about you that people don't know that's fun. Hmm. And he hadn't looked at the back, so he's totally baffled. Well, uh, I'm a biker. <laughs> Which you wouldn't believe other than the fact that what's your car club that you do so much with? Uh, the 608 Piston Pounders. So yep. I kind of graduated from motorcycles to four wheels as age has crept up with me so yeah we have a uh an old lincoln and a an old diamond t truck and and uh very involved with the car club that's uh, a ton of fun well jerry thank you so much thank you um it was a lot of fun and and if you want good barbecue or if you have an event we have catered all over the greater lacrosse area their prices are extremely fair and you guys do a spectacular job, and it's always a lot of fun. And I have never, never, never had anyone complain about the food. And there's always enough for me to take some home, which if you've seen my son, you know that he does like barbecue. So we're glad that you are along for this. My name is Mike Clokey. You can always call us at 782-1642. You can come and visit our website at www.clokeyfinancial.com. Or stop in our office at 635 2nd Avenue South. We're here in on Alaska. And, you know, we will be doing more podcasts. I've got other people that will be coming in and talking. We're going to talk a little bit about our investment philosophy. 
but it was just a ton of fun. And again, thank you to my good friend Jerry and his wife Donna for coming in and sitting down with us today and, and talking a little bit about how to run a business from a person that's very successful at it. Have a good day, everybody, and we'll talk to you again real soon on our next podcast. Thank you for listening to the Financial Heartbeat Podcast with Mike Klauke. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. If you have questions for Mike, please call him at 608-782-1642. Visit his website at www.klaukefinancial.com or stop in for a visit at 635 2nd Avenue South on Alaska, Wisconsin, 54650. Securities offered through Securities America, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through Securities America Advisors, Inc. Klauke Investments and Insurance does not give legal or tax advice. Klauke Investments and Insurance and Securities America are separate entities. 